0: we are stepping out of our um message series in the book of acts <clears throat> and we are going to celebrate the advent of the coming christ our savior just just gives us an opportunity to really focus in sometimes you know christmas comes and goes and we forget uh, what it really is about. And so this gives us an opportunity to kind of focus in on it and what Christmas is all about, what it brings. The word Advent in the Latin uh, comes from the word that means coming. Um, and over the next four weeks, we'll be looking at the Advent or coming of our Savior. And we'll look at different aspects of this every week. And this week, we're looking at hope and next week will be peace and then joy and then love. Christmas Eve morning. We'll have regular church service on the 24th um, on that morning. Jeffrey Canada um, wrote and um, helped direct a documentary some years ago called um, Waiting for Superman. I don't know if anybody has seen that or heard about it. And it's basically... A look at our school system, our education system in America and the the cracks in it, the downfalls of it. Um, And he uh, wrote in there or he said in the program, he said, The saddest day of my life was when my mother told me Superman wasn't real. I cried. She thought I was crying because she destroyed this childlike fun character, but actually I was crying because I was like, so nobody's coming to save us. And it broke my heart. What's missing many corners of the world today in our culture, in our society, and in our lives many times is hope, real hope that someone's coming there's something's coming things will get better we write poems about it we write songs about it we read books and all those things that are inspired by this idea but ultimately we find ourselves continuing to lack in hope as a culture and as as a race a human race and i'm not talking about the just kind of the imagined type of hope the maybe the wish type of hope, you know, maybe, uh, maybe something will get better. Maybe something will happen. I cross my fingers and hope, hope it does. But actual hope that, that results in peace, right? Unconditional love, an end to suffering, the hope for the future, real joy, that kind of hope. We've been looking for Superman. In reality, what we need is a savior. And that's what Christmas is all about, the coming of the Savior. He has come. And so this morning, the message is, God's message to all of us, is that there is hope. The message of Christmas is hope. Not hope that we'll get what we want from our relatives or from Santa Claus or any of those things. But lasting eternal hope that our Creator alone can give and has given. So I want us to look at Isaiah chapter 9. Um, this morning, it'll be on the screen if you have a device or a, a book. Anybody read books anymore? Uh, an actual book. You can open it to Isaiah chapter 9, and we're going to read verses 2 through 7. It says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. and will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace." Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Hallelujah. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are a God of hope. And this morning, you are speaking that to us. You have made it clear in your word. You have made it clear in, clear in your actions that we have reason to hope this morning. God, open our eyes to it. In Jesus' name, amen. So we see the word hope used a lot today, right? Um, the, the word hope in our language, according to the Oxford Dictionary, means a desire for certain things to happen. I hope this will happen. I hope so. I hope Aaron Rodgers J- Rogers will be back this season. I hope it's sunny this weekend. Weekend, It's not. Um, but it's like, I don't know, but this is my desire. This is what I want. But in the scriptures, this word hope is used over 200 times. And as you search scriptures, you begin to study this word throughout the word we see that throughout the Bible, it is summarized around something like this. Hope means a confident expectation in the future. It means contagious enthusiasm for what is to come. So it's a more certain than just desire. It's a more certain hope. And so today in this passage of scripture from the prophet Isaiah which is, in fact, a message to the children of Israel, a message of confident expectation of deliverance to them. Because at this time, they're they're slipping into captivity and it will be, get worse and worse. But Isaiah brings a message of judgment, but he also brings a message of hope for Israel, but also for the world. This passage of scripture, although written to Israel, is to you and me today. It is about becoming savior. It is about the hope for the world. And so what do we see from this passage of scripture about what God is telling us about this hope? Well, first of all, hope springs from darkness says there in verse 1 or verse 2 the people walking in darkness have seen a great light right so he's speaking to Israel they're going through a difficult time it is filled the wor- their world is filled with darkness it is going to be filled with more darkness it's going to be difficult f- for them um, he was letting them know that more was coming the assyrian captivity eventually babylonian exile driven from the promised land it was it was all coming but there's still hope but he starts in that place this this people who is in darkness who walks in darkness and an important thing to understand that this was their doing right they put themselves in this condition you remember uh, in isaiah chapter 6 isaiah um it tells of his calling during this time. <clears throat> this says in verse five, and I said, Isaiah, he has this vision of the Lord in the temple, right? It's beautiful. The cherubim, seraphim there. Beautiful. He sees the power of the Lord there. And it says, And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Right? Like I said, Isaiah is being called to deliver this message of judgment and also of hope, of deliverance. But they needed to understand, first and foremost, their brokenness. Isaiah, his original response when he saw the Lord was not to jump up and say, hooray, it was brokenness. He realized his own sin. He realized his own, the darkness in his own heart. But when he saw God for who God is, not who, not who he thought he should be, right? Not who he wanted God to be. But when he saw the truth of a holy, righteous God, holy, all powerful, he realized his own brokenness, his own darkness in his own heart. He knew there was no hiding from it. And this morning, if we're going to know real hope, if you're going to grasp a hold of the hope that God has given through Jesus Christ, first and foremost, we have to understand our own darkness, the darkness that we walk in, that we might have this humble acknowledgement and faith. And we see it for, for Isaiah. He realized, I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in a, in a land of people with un." clean lips, but he saw a great light. And so this morning, every one of us deals in this darkness, right? Because we we live in brokenness. We live in a fallen world. And every one of us, just like the apostle Paul, we're drawn back. We're drawn into that. We Our, our mouths betray us often. <laughs> the things that we say, our attitudes at times. We have unclean lips. We dwell in a land of unclean lips and So sometimes our choices are kind of like Israel's choices. We choose to take control in our own lives. We choose to trust in the things that we can see, feel, touch, taste, and we end up walking in this darkness. And we live in a culture of darkness. And this culture wants to dictate what we can and cannot say, right? This is important because the issue is the heart. That's where this darkness is. Israel didn't have just some special, you know, weather condition. Darkness. No, there was darkness. He's talking about the darkness in their hearts, these people who walked in darkness. In our culture, we want to shut people down for what they say. But all that does is create a culture of people with bad thoughts and motives, but kept in secret, kept in darkness. And some play that game better than others. Sometimes I'm glad that my father is not still around because he, he, would, he would be canceled like that. Not because he's any worse than anyone else, not because he's a bad guy, but just like all of us, just like Isaiah, just like Israel, we walk in a land of brokenness and dark, darkness and, and fallenness. Every one of our hearts is constantly drawn away from the light and into the dark because ultimately darkness begins in our hearts. And so this is where it hits home for all of us this morning. You might say, well, I don't think I'm that bad. You may even think, well, I'm a Christian and I go to church and I read my Bible and I pray. But here, here's what you can't forget. We are in a constant battle with our flesh. We are in a constant battle and the world is drawing us. Darkness is is beckoning us to come in your own personal life, the things that you trust in, the things that you run to are calling you away from Christ, away from trusting in him. Find hope in the things around us and in the things that I can achieve and control. Romans 3.10 says, none is righteous, no, not one. And so the darkness rages within us and around us. And we discussed the beatitude uh, this past week of being pure in heart in our group. And that means, we talked about that means honesty. That means transparency this morning. I would encourage you to lay your heart before the Lord. God say, where is the darkness? Where are those corners of my heart and my life that I've kept from you or that I have tried to control myself? I lay it in the light. I know that you see it already. He sees it. Be honest with him today. As we come together on Sundays and we sing these songs of praise and we hear the the word preached and taught and read. You look at the holiness and righteousness and sing about it of, uh, of a perfect God. Does it make you realize and understand your own brokenness, your own sinfulness? Can you say, yes, I have unclean lips? Yes, I need hope today because that is the starting place of finding that hope. And you may say, okay, uh, enough already. This is, this is the hope week, right? We're supposed to be just talking about the hope. But we must understand our own brokenness. We must understand darkness before we can understand Light. Why should we talk about hope and peace and joy and love if we cannot look in the mirror and be honest about our own desperate need for those things? Otherwise, Christmas is just a a time of empty songs and decorations. And that's why so many struggle with depression this time of the year, because somewhere they know that it's not all lights and bows and ribbons, right? They know that they're broken. They know that there's darkness around them. They know that there's darkness within them. And so, true hope is born out of that. Help us helps us to see the light. And so, this morning, I just encourage you to allow God to search your heart. Allow God to to search your your motives. Who's Lord in your life? What are you holding on to this morning? Are you just putting on a happy face? Or are you being honest? Are you being pure in heart? Are you bringing your struggle? Are you bringing your sin before Him? Because what the what Satan wants to do is keep you in the dark. What he wants to do is keep sin unconfessed, right? What he wants to do is keep you thinking things are hopeless. It doesn't matter. I might as well not try again. I might as well not try anymore. I fall for this sin, this temptation over and over again. Or I always say the wrong thing. or Or maybe you're walking around with bitterness in your heart or anger. Lay all of that before him, but recognize it. Maybe you're overwhelmed by your circumstances right now. Or maybe you find yourself lashing out or gossiping or or hanging on to life by the skin of your teeth. That's not how we were made to live. Maybe you're isolating yourself because you're just feeling depressed or overwhelmed, and, and so you turn inward. You turn away from others, and you turn away from God. Maybe this morning you've never known what it means to to live with real joy and peace. Today, right there in your heart, right there in the middle of your struggle, hope is born. Turn your eyes to Jesus this morning. Open Mm -hmm. your heart to him. So the promise of hope was given to Israel who was walking in darkness. They were headed for more darkness. You and I this morning, uh, we walk in a land of unclean lips and of darkness everywhere. We struggle with it ourselves. We say what we don't want to say or do what we don't want to do. We know what's right and yet choose the other. We know that we should be trusting God with, with every part of our lives. We should be trusting Christ and yet we continue to run, run to other lesser gods. So hope is born out of that darkness. That's where we look up and see the Savior. But also, hope is a gift of God. Hope is born in those dark places, but we have a God who gives hope. He's ready and willing. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Speaking of the Lord, you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you. It is God who brings the hope. God is the initiator this morning. God is calling out to you this morning as you sit here, as you reflect on maybe the struggle that you're in, uh, what's happening in life or the world around us. And it's God who's coming to you. It's God who's saying, tapping you on the shoulder. I have hope. I want to give you hope. Like I said, Israel was in a dark, difficult time. They were in rebellion. And even in the middle of their rebellion, even though there was more difficulty and judgment to come, God sent a message of hope. Now, much of Israel interpreted this as the restoration of Israel as a nation, right? They looked at their circumstances, what was happening, and thought, oh, okay, I get it. A deliverer is coming, a mighty warrior. He's going to get us from underneath this occupation, underneath this this uh oppression. One day we will... Get everything back. One day we'll rebuild and God's going to restore us as a powerful nation. Now listen, Israel certainly we see throughout scriptures is evident. Israel has a special place in the heart of God. And yes there are prophecies of God's protection and provision for the nation of Israel for the Jewish people. However, God's message of hope to Israel has been and always will be the same message of hope that is to all people and that is in verse 6. For To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government, and peace there will be no end. God is proclaiming through the prophet Isaiah, I'm stepping into history to bring salvation, to bring deliverance, but it's not necessarily what you think it's going to look like. It's not going to look like what you think it should look like. I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to rescue all of mankind. I'm coming to bring hope. Not necessarily in your circumstances, but in your heart. The very thing that has resulted in your slavery in Egypt, your your occupation, your um, being conquered by Syria and Babylon. That doesn't come because you weren't a good enough fighter or didn't have a good enough army. It came because your heart is far from me. You've allowed the darkness to envelop you and keep you. You've allowed yourself to walk in the darkness. God says, I'm coming to bring you hope. I'm coming to get you. There is someone coming to get you, and it is the savior of the world. And he tells us today, there is someone who has come. It's Jesus See, the hope that Jesus offers you and me in the world is so much better than you or I could choose for ourselves. We don't even know what real hope is, real joy. It's not necessarily that my circumstances will change. It's not in a better job or good grades or any of those things. It's in joy and peace and satisfaction in him turning my eyes off of myself and the world and putting them on him. God has initiated that. God knows that and he's calling us to that. Romans chapter 15, verse 13 says this. May the God of hope fill you. That's who God is. He is the God of hope and he is the creator. He is hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of his Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. God is initiating hope in the world with Israel, with you, with me. He calls us to that hope by believing in believing See, God is the God of hope. It is God who does the giving and the filling. It is through his Holy Spirit that we can remain in it and walk in it. He says, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Listen, Christian, we talked about this before. When we we're going through the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit came. We have the gift of the presence of Almighty God in our lives, in our hearts, that still small voice speaking to us, bringing conviction, bringing encouragement. But ultimately, the Holy Spirit is bringing hope. He says that you may abound in hope because of the Holy Spirit working in your heart. He is speaking this morning. He is drawing you to himself. He's saying, don't trust in the things of the world. Take your eyes off of those things. God saw the world walking in darkness and he acted. He pursued. God sees you this morning. He sees me. And he's pursuing. He's pursuing you. He's not left you. He's not given up on you. He will not walk away from you. He hears your cries and he's holding out hope. And Christmas is such a wonderful reminder of that. And finally, hope is here. Christmas. Christmas is a celebration that hope has come. God is not just God is not just able to bring hope. He's not just um, willing to bring hope. He has. He has acted. Christmas is here. A couple years ago, Chelsea uh, and Sophie moved to the city. And I remember we were at the park one day. And it was like July or August or something like that. And we were having a picnic. And it was beautiful, you know, Central Park and everything. And Chelsea's like, yeah, this is so nice. It's so beautiful. They had just gotten here. And I said... Oh, just wait till Christmas. <laughs> they still mock me for that. <laughs> because part of what I was saying was, man, this, with these lights and this, I mean, there's nothing like New York at Christmas time, right? Um, just don't get in the middle of Times Square, but um, it's beautiful. But the real hope at Christmas, just wait till Christmas, because it's a reminder of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, that God has not left us in our sin. He's not left you in your brokenness, your hopelessness. Remember in Luke chapter two, there was this religious man, Simeon and his, uh, and Anna that were waiting there in the, for the Messiah in the temple. They had constantly been in the temple and they were waiting for the promised Messiah, the savior. And when Jesus came to the temple to be dedicated, they, they saw him and, and Simeon cried out for my eyes have seen the Lord's salvation. He saw Jesus. He saw the promised Messiah. He recognized him because Israel had been waiting. Faithful Israelites had been waiting and waiting on the hope, waiting on the fulfillment. This child, Simeon, knew this very prophecy that we're reading today. He knew that. He knew that it was the coming Messiah. That word Messiah means anointed. God anointed, chose, delivered a Savior. He is here. He has come. Romans 8.22 says this, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons the redemption of our bodies all creation has been groaning all creation groans in every one of us still there's this this groan this groaning this desire to be redeemed to be right that groaning has a purpose but the danger is that we try to satisfy that groaning which was which is put there to draw us to the Lord, which is put there to get our eyes off of us and get them on him. And the danger is we start to try to find hope in the things of the world or immediate things that we can grab hold of. Listen, false hope has a powerful effect on human beings. It results in disappointment, skepticism, distrust, And that's what we have in the world all around us. That's the attitude that we see. Maybe in you personally this morning, maybe you're starting to feel some of those things. An article in Psychology Today, it says, false hopes are based on faulty assumptions and misinformation. That's a very interesting statement there because it affirms that there is hope. But it affirms that hope in what is true is the keystone for real hope and not counterfeit hope. It says faulty assumptions, faulty information. Listen, this morning, this is critical. Where you choose to place your hope this morning and every day will determine whether or not you will experience true joy, true satisfaction, in this life and in the life to come so many in our world are spiritually confused there's so many different ideas and thoughts and now with the internet and social media there's just something new every day i was talking with a friend this past week and we we're talking about um he has high cholesterol and i i went to see my cardiologist a little while ago and it's like they're saying take certain pills and then you look on the internet and it's saying take cayenne pepper or whatever. It's like so many different things. I'm confused. I don't know what is true. And this guy's a doctor, the guy I'm talking to. I said, man, I don't even know what's true anymore. And he just burst out laughing. He said, me either. That's the spiritual condition of our world as well. People are just putting stuff out there. I saw a documentary last night about this group of people who said they're moving out to Wyoming and they just want to be free and, and don't want to own anything except that land they have to get a deed on and all those things. People are struggling. We're looking for hope. There is hope. He has come in Jesus Christ. God's will is not that we run all over the place confused, but that we would have confident expectation of him. And then the result in this faulty hope is that people just get apathetic. It has a profound effect on us psychologically, emotionally, even physically. It was interesting there was a laboratory experiment where they set mice in tubs of water. Two sets, one set drowned in 1 hour. But the others were removed every so, oh, they were in the same tub, I'm sorry. And the others were removed every so often, but then eventually left for over 24 hours and the mice survived. Why did they survive? Because of the hope of being removed. They got used. Someone's coming. Someone's coming. Listen, Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. You can hold on to him today. Whatever darkness you're in, whatever your struggle in, whatever the brokenness is, don't buy the world's line that no one's coming for us. God is the God of hope and he has come. Christmas is a beautiful reminder of that. We celebrate that this time at Christmas. This is what the world will tell us. I read an article recently about therapy And it said, three ways to cope with unmet expectations. Because that's really what we're talking about. Why do do people lose hope? Why do we live in hopelessness? It's because of unmet expectations, right? We put our hope in something, it fails. We put our hope in someone else, it fails. Some organization, the the politicians, whatever it is. And eventually, over a period of time, we just ah, forget it. But here's the answer according to this article in Exploring Therapy. It says, Here's three ways to cope with unmet expectations. Number one, acknowledge your feelings. Number two, reflect on your achievements. And number three, adjust your goals and priorities. What's the problem with that? The problem is it's your, 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 your. Fix you. Look at you. Change you. And Jesus says, surrender. Come to me. Fix your eyes on me. It's not about finding help in yourself or hope in yourself apart from God. Because whatever that is, if it's anything, it's temporary. And God knows that there is no hope apart from him. Israel had lost hope. We often lose hope because God has not performed in the way that we think he should. And so we have unmet expectations even of God. We've lost hope because we've trusted in our own ability, right? Our own Ability to find happiness and joy and meaning. And it keeps falling short. Romans 8, that passage I read about um, creation groaning and all those things. In In verse 24, he goes on to say, For in this hope we were saved. What hope? The hope of adoption as sons and daughters through Christ Salvation. We have the hope of salvation for eternity that God has stepped out of the throne room of heaven. God with us. We have that hope. He talks about that. We groan for the adoption as sons and daughters. That's part of the groaning that's happening in the world and in every one of us. We want that restored relationship with God. But it's also the hope of one day seeing our Savior face to face. One day, as sure as you're sitting in this room, we will see our Savior face to face if you've put your trust in Him. Those who find hope in Christ can persevere. We can make it through the storms. We can make it through those dark days. Because I'm fixing my eyes on Him. Even many of um, my Jewish friends, we begin to talk about their faith and I have several of them that don't even want to talk about it because basically they have seen throughout history, God has not come to bat for them like they think he should have come to bat. Some very recent things in history and they blame God for that and they say, you know, I've lost faith because he has not done what I expect him to do. Corey Ten Boom, who hid Jews during the Holocaust and was eventually put in um, one of those uh, camps. She said, when a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the engineer. And that's what kept her going in the midst of that. She trusted. Not in her circumstances. She didn't know. She may be taken to the gas chamber in any, in any moment, any day. But she trusted in Christ. She trusted in her Lord. And so the hope, hope that Christ brings is not ease of life or a clear, easy path. But it's first of redemption. Freedom from the penalty of your sin. If you're here this morning, you don't know Christ. You haven't trusted him with your sin. That's where real hope is, is in a savior. He's the savior of the world. He stepped into our world, into our darkness. Light has come. And the hope that comes from knowing that I have a savior who is able and willing to do all that's necessary all that's best for me to lead me through this world. Every one of my struggles, every one of my pains, he is able. And Christian, this morning, I hope you know that. I hope you're reminded of that at Christmas and all through the year. You have a Savior who's not untouched by your burdens and struggles. The darkness that we walk in, he's come to save us for eternity, but also to give us light to walk through this life. To so pray this morning you've not let You've not lost your hope. Or at least let, let the world steal some of it. Someone asked uh, my wife, Tony one time, a, a non-Christian friend said, I don't understand. How do you deal with the guilt and shame? And Tony said, I don't deal with it. Jesus dealt with it. I trust him with my guilt. I trust him with my shame. If you're struggling with sin this morning, if you're in habitual sin or or you feel like you're trapped or caught and you just can't, just bring it with a pure heart before Christ. Leave it at his feet. Confess it. He is taking care of it. But he calls us to confess it, to continue walking in the light, continue walking in that relationship, that honest relationship. If you're confused, if you're depressed, all those things, bring them Into the light, lay them at his feet. So the message of Christmas is hope. God has not forgotten us and he has stepped out. Hope has come. And listen, faith is at the core of hope this morning. It's not just a message that you listen to. It's about it's about giving your life. It's about really laying down those things that maybe this morning as I was talking, you started to think about some of your struggles, some of your confusion, some of your doubts, some of your pains. It's about taking that and acting on it and saying, God, here it is. Here's my struggle, I'm giving it to you. Hebrews 11, 1, the f- now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Faith says, I-, I believe not only that things can be better, but it's already accomplished in Jesus. All that I need is already accomplished in him. So you and I can live with confidence, the hope that we have in Christ and not in the world. Paul wrote in Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, I read that before, in believing, it's by putting our faith. And that's the message for you today. The wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace has come for you. He's coming to you this morning again. He's come for the world in these dark days. When you look at the wars, the hate, the confusion, the chaos, there is hope. There's hope for your sin, your bad choices, your shame, your hurt. There's hope this morning. 1 Peter 1 3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Listen, the hope and that we have in Christ is living. It's for every day. It's for tomorrow. It's for eternity. It's not just for the hope of heaven, which is definitely one of the promises, but it's hope for today. As we walk in this dark world, as we fall down and get back up, keep your eyes on Him. i want to close with the story read recently about a, a school system in a large city that had a certain program to help children keep up with their schoolwork during stays in the city's hospitals. So when kids were put in the hospital for any period of time, they had this program to help them with their schoolwork. And one day a teacher who was assigned to the program received uh, a routine call asking her to visit a particular child in the hospital. So she took the child's name and his room number and talked briefly with the... Um, with the teacher. And the teacher said, we're studying nouns and adverbs in his class right now. So the regular teacher said, "Uh, I'd be grateful if you could help him understand them so he doesn't fall too far behind. So the hospital program teacher went to see the boy that afternoon. No one had mentioned to her that the boy had been badly burned and was in great pain. Upset at the sight of the boy, she stammered as she told him, I've been sent by your school to help you with nouns and adverbs. When she left, she felt she hadn't accomplished much. But the next day, a nurse asked her, what did you do to that boy? The teacher felt she must have done something wrong and began to apologize. No, no, said the nurse. You don't know what I mean. We've been worried about that little boy, but ever since yesterday... His whole attitude has changed. He's fighting back. He's responding to treatment. It's though he's decided to live. Two weeks later, the boy explained that he had, been, he had completely given up hope until the teacher arrived. Everything changed when he came to a simple realization. He said it like this. They wouldn't send a teacher to work on nouns and adverbs with a dying boy, would they? Listen, in a world of darkness where it looks hope, hopeless and people are giving up every day, and we're wrestling daily with the battle of sin and pain, we have every one of us a Savior. He's come. He's not given up on the world, He's not given up on you. He has come for you. He has sent light into your darkness he sent hope into despair peace joy and love christmas is a reminder of that today turn your turn your eyes from the darkness around you Turn from the darkness within you and look to the light, to look at the Savior. Put your faith in him. He will bring hope. Whatever storm you're dealing with, whatever darkness you're struggling in, turn once again or for the first time to Christ. He is the hope of the world and he has come. Praise God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your grace. Lord, that really is the story of the history of mankind, we have gotten ourselves into a dark place. We run to the dark place. Even as Christians, oftentimes the world just gets overwhelming. Our struggles get overwhelming. And oftentimes we run to the dark places. God, we confess that this morning. And God, we Lord, we will not March through this season of lights and gifts and decorations and parties and just just enjoy it as a holiday. But Lord, we will remember, we will fix our eyes on the source of our hope, the source of our joy, and that is Christ our Savior. Thank you, Lord, that you saw us and you came for us. Thank you this morning. Some of us are struggling. Some of us are in dark places and you are pursuing us. You are running to us, even in this passage of scripture. I would love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus name. Amen.